Hello. I'm Jeffrey K. Horkims. Um, and these are all the same people who were before, but it's not table talk time just yet. It's a new thing that I don't think, I don't think it's a thing. I, I think that it just seemed like a cool opportunity uh, to talk to some nerds um, about something that is super interesting. So, uh, I, so my son is part of a social skills group over the, uh, over the summer. And I actually saw you guys there, but I already knew who you were. But you were playing a game with a kid, and but I didn't understand it. It seemed like you were clearly it was like a dungeon mastering type game, but you were it was like a it was almost like a text adventure, but you were doing it in speech. Yeah, that's what? a that's a parsley game. Yeah, what's a parsley game? Um, so it's it's a game. I think it's the company that made it. it was called Lamento Mori. Okay. And these are called parsers, and it's okay. Uh, so it is it is like a text adventure. Yes, yeah, exactly. So um, I discovered it actually at PAX when I played one with Andrew Looney of uh, of Looney Labs. He played one that he made up, so I got to play with them. And the idea is that one person is basically the computer. Yeah. Um, as an old parser, and then everybody else takes turns in putting a command. And it's fun because you as the computer take everything very literally. And so when they're trying to have like a, a social conversation with me, I say that I, I give a sort of a, a computer-like response to it. And then they feel frustrated and the next person goes and they learn from their mistakes and stuff. It's super fun. So that, um, that's over, that particular social skills group is over at Ryther. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you guys spend a lot of time uh, working with local uh, crews like that. Actually, just start out by telling your deal. Yeah, oh, sure. yeah. we should intro. Jump right in. Our no, no, because I saw that like in the middle of the summer, and I've been curious about it for months. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to answer my questions. But here, let's go. Let's go back. Uh, you are both named Adam, which is very convenient. But it's actually Adam Johns uh, and Adam Davis. That's right. Technically, but Adam is fine for the most part. It seems like. So go into your deal because when I knew you, you were Wheelhouse Workshop, but now you're. Doing a nonprofit, moving sort of like the charity route. So why don't you break the whole thing down? It's totally true. So we were Wheelhouse Workshop for four years. Was it about yeah, that? and so there were articles and shit about. And there you. were articles and shit, <laughs> and there was tons of stuff that was yeah. that was like going on um, that we were really trying to trying to promote it and stuff like that. And we we got told a long time ago actually that it would be really beneficial to us for the work that we do using tabletop games to teach social skills to kids and teens. Um, so games like Dungeons and Dragons, in a nonprofit route. Um, and we hemmed and hawed a little bit, and then we went back and forth, and uh, we looked into it, and it turns out it's a, like a lot of work to make a nonprofit. As it's, it's oh. also kind oh, of yeah. expensive it's to pretty, make a nonprofit. Yeah, ironically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so finally, we decided um, a little more than a year ago, I would say, that we are we're, we're doing it. We're going to go the nonprofit route. The work that we do is is already pretty charitable, and we already do. We're, we're essentially trying to get tabletop games out to people who can benefit from them. And as, as I'm sure you guys have seen, oh yeah, the opportunity for tabletop games to be great for you in all sorts of ways um, mm-hmm. is really there. And then what we've done, what we've been doing actually for the last six years, originally as a part of another organization and then, and then creating Wheelhouse Workshop, is using it in a very directed and therapeutic way to help with social skill development. Here, so what are your backgrounds? So everything that you said is very interesting. Sure. But <laughs> what, are your, what are your credentials for saying these things? So I, I have a master's in couple, couple and family therapy, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist actually in the Kirkland area, and I specialize in seeing geeks and gamers in therapy. And I have a master's in education with a specialization in drama therapy. And I've been a drama teacher for about 10 years. Um, I worked in the public school system, worked at the Woodland Park Zoo for a little while. There's definitely a drama nerd vibe. I mean, yeah, I picked up on that. Like, the first time I saw you, I was like, I could see your whole history. He makes faces <laughs> and, like, and talks in voices. I, I do think. lots of faces and mm-hmm. voices. It's part of it. Mm-hmm. I'm a therapist, so I'm very... Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. can see why you'd say that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I appreciate it. But what is it, what are, what's different about geeks and gamers, like from a therapeutic perspective, like... To the extent that it's a it's a something you can specialize in, yeah. there must be some best practices that exist in that oh, particular yeah. community. I mean, ultimately, it's it's a kind of a cultural specialty. Um, it's far more about understanding the perspective of of a somebody who comes from a geek and gamer background. Um, a lot of the work that I do is more about creating like a, a parallel from 
the interests that you have into the things that are going on in your life. Oh, so basically leveraging all the existing like metaphors. Right. And so like um, if I have a, a client who might play um, League of Legends or, sure. or Dota 2 or something like that and talk about... You get the MOBA skills. The MOBA skills. Um, and, and how those those are important and those are like impactful in your life. And and talking about how, oh, it's interesting. You play a lot of, you play a lot of um, support, support roles. characters. I wonder what that says about you. I wonder what that says about the role that you take on in other parts of your life. And maybe that's because you take on those roles because you need to because you don't get a chance in other pressure sure, or because you need to get good no. right or maybe that's because that's where that's where you're comfortable <laughs> right and so like you're already doing that everywhere this is where you're most comfortable doing that and actually the the work we do with role-playing games is very similar to that it'd be it's very much about this idea of of um what is the character you're playing and how do, how can you understand yourself through both playing that character as well as the the opportunity to grow through the character that you have i was looking meaningfully because we had discussed it, we had talked about it before, early on, I think it was a period of time where Amy sort of resisted the idea that there was any walnut. Because I didn't want people to know that it was like, oh, I got this chance to do this amazing thing, and it's like on Twitch every week, and I'm just going to air my dirty laundry and just like <laughs> do my own personal like yeah. mindfulness thing. Yeah, right, but that's, but that's what makes, like walnut is, like my wife Brenna, like walnut's Brenna's favorite character, and I think the reason it's her favorite character is because it's legit. Some of it, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll also say, it's. I don't think it's possible to play a character and not, not bring parts yeah. of yourself into it. I, I think. I think everything you do, uh, you can play. You can say, I'm going to make Batman. And I chose to play Batman over Green Arrow, who is also a wealthy millionaire superhero. <laughs> um, but like the choice between the two has significance. There's there's like a reason why I pick one or the other. Um, and of course, there's a change in depth. If you're really digging in, if you're really understanding yourself, you get a lot more opportunity to put that into your character or understand the reflection between the two. Like um, in our personal games, Adams Adams had a lot of opportunity to like play through his character and and even try to purposefully avoid putting oh, putting yeah. parts into and it, it doesn't matter at all. It all kind of comes out in, in the, the end. end. Yeah. In like the it, end, it, that it does not matter. I'm always <laughs> revealing something about like abandonment <laughs> issues. <laughs> it always ends up. Yeah. Well, I was I was very agitated to learn that my decision to only wear black shirts and blue jeans was a fashion choice. When I when I thought that it was actually like the opposite of fashion. No, it turns out that I you can't escape that game. No, and um, it's you're always communicating to other people with your choices. You could go naked. It would be a fashion choice. Well, you, you, it, would be, yeah. <laughs> it would be a trade. It would be meaningful. It would be meaningful. It would have ramifications. You could let somebody else pick your clothes for you. No. And it would still be a meaningful fashion choice that you were, that you were picking. <coughs> That's that true. you were giving someone else. If you guys have questions for either of our atoms, um, you can just put a hashtag. You can type hashtag question. And then the question that you want to ask. Uh, and I can pull it up off of this thing. But I had a couple on here uh, that were actually ready to go already. Um, are you familiar with any games for young children that have a good... Therapeutic uh, yes. payload. Um, so first, first we should we should clarify that there's like a, there's a benefit to, to sort of all role playing games. Oh, to, and, to all social. Yeah, I mean you're you're being social and you're playing um, games with other people. That sort of space actually the game today, especially and watching the game today, there was very little dice rolling. And there's very little sort of rule, rules of, of the, the game that were necessarily going on. Oh what, yeah, the C team is very social. It was all role play, it was all storyline, and that, that space, that's that play space. And that yeah. can exist in, in kind of any tabletop role playing game. Um, but there is a spectacular game that's really designed for a younger audience. Yeah, so we actually used to run a younger kids group. Most of our kids go from a right around 12 to right around early 20s. Um, but we had enough interest for younger kids right around 9 or 10 that we opened up a younger kids group. And so we were playing the game No Thank You Evil. Oh, by Monty Cook. Mm -hmm. By Monty Cook, yeah, and Shannon Germain. And that one was perfect for younger kids. Um, and the, the, the rule set is super simple, which is really nice. Um, the world isn't as specific as Dungeons & Dragons, so there's not as much like scary stuff. You can be an astronaut on a team well. with a spy and a pirate. <laughs> um, and it's just like... An opportunity to role play. The characterization isn't as specific, so we found that it was a little bit more challenging to like make those personal connections with your character um, in a profound way. But the the meat was still there for teaching team building skills and helping them like really work on what it means to sit down and be social with other kids. Because a lot of kids in our groups are uh, pretty socially isolated and haven't really built the opportunities to practice their skills. So yeah. even something like that. Fantastic for those kids. Yeah, I mean the, the the social skills group that my son Elliot 
uh, goes to that I saw you guys at. I mean, that's specifically for kids on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. But you did not you did not call that specific term out when you were talking about therapeutic payload for kids and teenagers. I mean, is it is it especially good for kids on the spectrum, or is it or in in general, do you think that just there's just good there's just benefit to this type of play? I mean, I do think there's this maybe maybe especially good for for that audience because yeah. it teaches so much like um, frustration tolerance and flexibility, which are kind of tools that you already oh, okay. learn just by playing playing the game, and because it gives so much opportunity to be social, but in a in a clear context where the rules are very clear, um, and that kind of thing really really appeals to to individuals that are that are on the spectrum or that have have those challenges. Well, yeah, because I was I was gonna say I, that's more or less what it felt like. It seemed like that would make sense mm-hmm. um, because, I mean, to my son Elliot, generally speaking, uh, the way that people have to comport themselves all the time in the normal world is is synonymous with lying. Like you, like the the, the frustration tolerance. Like people are full of shit. Yeah, and <laughs> you know what I mean. And you no, know, his instinct and the instinct of a lot of people in that context is just like if you were full of shit and you were obviously lying. Someone needs to stop you. <laughs> yeah. Someone needs to have a conversation with you right now about how you're a liar, and you're lying all the time, and don't do it. Yeah. Right. And so um, we have a game that we run at the house uh, most Sundays, and it's almost all 11-year-olds. And watching them have to negotiate this space is completely fascinating. We've got like one power gamer in the group that's always trying to slit throats and interrogate goblins and shit. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> like, I don't... It gets a little dark. Everybody else is like, hey, let's make up a fantasy sport and let's compete with an imaginary team. Let's we'll color our jerseys. And then it's like, <laughs> all right, well, I deny him water. And it's like, okay, well... I don't, I don't know how I'm supposed to... <laughs> What, where, where, wherever the power is, uh, yeah. I have the power for water. You don't get any. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. And so they all sort of approach it in a in a slightly different <laughs> way. You know, it, it, it's actually interesting because we see a lot of the uh, a lot of similar challenges around uh, like needing to feel powerful in the game, and a lot of that I think oh, is yeah. is around that that exact idea, which is that if I exist in a world where I, I don't understand what people are saying, I don't understand um, a lot of the cues. People seem to have an understanding between each other that I'm not a part of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the subtext. I don't feel I don't feel powerful, and in this game, I can't. I can I can be powerful. I can make decisions, and those decisions um, have impact, and I feel well, like I have control. Well, and the interactions are all metered and gated and defined, which I think mm-hmm. is the is the other really tricky part about that space. Is there's a lot of things specifically around, say, facial expressions. Mm-hmm. They're just hard. It's just very very hard for him to parse. Like all any extreme emotion, like any big emotion. He perceives his anger, mm-hmm. right? It's like it's all boiled down. It's like if you're feeling anything a lot, like I'll be really excited at something he's did. I'd be like, "What?" I'm like, "No, this is good. I like all this. This is great. Yeah. This is very cool Lego thing, right?" <laughs> I'm not mad at the Legos, um, but but you you sort of see you sort of see that that situation all the time where the rules that some people kind of just absorb or they perceive in an ambient way, a lot of these sort of like. Um, context-oriented human interactions, like, they'll pick them up, it's just gonna take longer, mm-hmm. and but they're not at that point when other people are expecting them to have these skills. Yeah, actually, that's why usually when we're, when we're talking about our um, sort of target audience, our target players yeah. for our games, um, we, don't, we don't generally, we'll, we'll say, um, ki- often we see kids that are on the spectrum or have anxiety or have ADHD, um, but the reality is we like to describe them as just lagging social skills. Yeah. So they're, they're learning those skills, they're just learning ah. them, uh, they're, they're finding it more difficult. Yeah, uh, this or is, they're this not getting been, as much practice. Exactly, like that's been my experience. It's just sort of like um, asymmetric development. Yeah. yeah, it's just sort of like they've got like a whole lot of points. I mean, listen, the RPG metaphors are very strong. <laughs> it's like they have a bunch of points over here and they don't have very many over here and they're not even interested in this part of the character sheet. Right. You know, I mean, basically that, like he's just min-maxed for a very specific type of yeah. fascinating creative intelligence. But yeah, that's, that's, that's part of what makes Dungeons & Dragons and RPGs so, so meaningful as opportunities to practice social skills is to be good at the game. You have to work together as a team. You can't just stab each other all the time. Your team doesn't accomplish anything. You don't move, it, move along in the plot. 
So in order to be successful as an RPG player, you have to have some modicum of social skills. So we've seen groups get together and infight the whole time, and then our sessions are 90 minutes long. 90 minutes oh, later, no, I was gonna say, that nothing the, happens. That is, mwah, that is the perfect amount of time. Yeah. Like This is what I eventually figured out with my group, is that <laughs> the, two and a half hours, fuck no. Yeah. <laughs> it's nuts. They're feral at that yeah. point. Well, oh, yeah. Two hours at the very beginning, and then we scaled it back. Mm-hmm. To, that, was, that was a sweet spot for us. Mm-hmm. But when, these, when kids have that experience of not being successful, of, of their social skills are not, um, they're not adept enough in the social space, to cooperate and move along in, in our plot. So then we can reframe back to them as the game masters. Like, I'm going to help you guys build a little bit of skills right now. And then they feel that like the intrinsic reward of being social, you were talking about min-maxing. Yeah. People that don't care about being social don't often put themselves in a place to develop those skills. To build those skills. Where, yeah. where oftentimes people would build them naturally on a playground or in, in that sort of unstructured social space. But... The, the role-playing game provides this perfect opportunity because it is semi-structured. Yeah, it has a foot in both of those yeah, worlds. But right? it's also the playground. It's totally a playground. Whereas like a lot of us grew up just freely going to playgrounds and like, I'm a cop, you're a robber, pew, pew, I shot you. And then Adam would say, no you didn't. And I'd say, yes I did. And then we would fight. <laughs> and we would figure out how to, how to navigate that space. And now in the game, there's like, Dice you can roll. There's actual rules. Yeah, <laughs> which lets when you, when he Adam, deal with the frustration of getting shot, and me, you know, dealing dealing with what it looks like to wait, be wait, too why, proud of why being did, shot. Why did you win? Because I rolled high. <laughs> Listen, so I can see this is still a problem. <laughs> but here, I I could seriously do this for a thousand years. But if you guys have questions, you should you should ask these interesting people. God, I have a lot of questions. Dude, uh, jump in. I don't have anything formulated. Grab one from the audience. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that I was going to get to, so now. I... Oh no, it's it's so fast here. So uh, Taurus Beestinger is in, uh, is a mental health professional here. Um, have you had any success with using D and D and guided imagery with depression and PTSD? Great question. Um, I've had right. I've had mixed results and would appreciate some tips. Thank you very much. Oh sure. Um, so we haven't we haven't worked directly with PTSD. Although actually one of the goals of Game to Grow, as we stepped into this nonprofit world, we were like, we should do a lot more with this. Yeah. We should take this beyond what just is just role playing games and what is just social skill development. We should take this into all the things that we've we've dreamed about that that games can be can be used to be good for you, um, and not just for kids. So we what we decided is a Game to Grow's mission would be about games of all kinds. So role playing games, but also tabletop and board games and video games, and figuring out how those games can be used in a direct way to benefit you um, therapeutically or educationally or in a community development way. And so that's actually the, the broader goal of Game to Grow. Along those lines, one of the things that we want to do down the line is work with veterans of PTSD. But we have had a lot of opportunity. There's a strong crossover and sort of a Venn diagram of um, individuals who are on the spectrum or who have ADHD and also depression. Because if I'm that, if I want to be that social, seems true. Yeah, if I want to be social, I want to reach out to other people. I want to have friends, and I have a really really hard time doing that. Well, a lot of depression usually comes along right along with that those experiences, um, and so we have had a lot of opportunity in seeing um, good work through battling internal demons and sort of externalizing them through the game, which has been hugely, hugely helpful. And one of the ways that I might give give some like advice on how to how to do that. First advice: don't do therapy. If don't do therapy if you're not a therapist. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the advice every therapist always has yeah. to give. Um, but if if that's a, a part of the, the game and you're a therapist, then um, it's really about in identifying what what is the sort of message and fear and worry of the internal idea that you're you're going at, and is there a way to to create an externalization of that in the in the game? That's functional, right? Make that the bad guy. Make that a part of what you're a part of what you're struggling through. But give your character the opportunity to have tools to fight it. I might not be able to fight those things in my real life. The tools are much more, um, uh, much more difficult to grasp. Yeah, they're abstract. Right. Um, but my character has swords and spells and magic items and can fight this, this demon and can pull meaning out of that uh, idea yeah. um, as, as they go through that. Hey, um, I have what a question. Are, oh, please. I want to jump in. Sorry. No, I, I, I have a real one. This is what um, I want. So, <clears throat> say you are struggling with mental illness, and one of the things that I've definitely found hard in the past is that um, I like see that being social with people on a schedule is very good, but it's really hard to get to that. Like, say you're struggling with depression or something like that. Like, it's really hard to get to that session. Do you have, um, I don't know, like anything for people that are, you know, just like showing up? 
is like, like that's a big part of it. Oh, right? to scaffold to sort of like scaffold up yeah. to the yeah. social uh, resource. And because like falling out of a routine is like so awful. Um, so I'm just wondering if there's anything you do with that or whatever. Sure. I mean, um, th- there's a couple of different parts to that, depending mm-hmm. on whether or not the challenges are like a physical challenge of getting out of bed or getting out of the house sure. or, or um, those kinds of things. At which point, something like Roll20, being able to play games online, even oh, yeah. over video chat, still provides a tremendous amount of benefit. You're still making stories, you're still playing a character. Um, and then I guess the the other side to it would be that the the hurdle for getting into the game doesn't need to be quite as big as often it, it, it can be. Um, Tell me more about that. We, we teach a lot of younger kids how to play using just straight Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. Yeah. And the way we do that is with pre-made characters and with um, uh, an understanding that we're going to teach you the game as you go along. The first day that you come in, you're going you're gonna to jump right into the game. Um, and we do a lot of scaffolded role-playing parts of it. If uh, all you want to do is come in and just roll some dice and swing a sword at some stuff and describe how you're swinging a sword, Cool. That's great. That's a great place to start. And you can come into the game with, with just an expectation that it's not much more than um, playing a board game. Like, it's not much more than playing House on Haunted Hill. Um, right. But, but it can then be scaffolded to add little bits as you're going along. So that it never needs to be threatening. It never needs to be um, uh, something that's that's bringing up that, that anxiety for Wait, Yeah, it, is, it doesn't have to be a source of the anxiety. Right. Exactly. You may, you're, you may be getting that anxiety from all sorts of other things. <laughs> right. that, that doesn't need to be the source. They say, hey, so a lot of people would like to hear uh, an example of, uh, like a specific example of a kid or a kid you worked with in terms of like, give us a moment, because we've talked about it in the abstract. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about a specific, like, therapeutically tuned scenario, something that was useful uh in a D&D, like in an adventure or something like that, a specific challenge or... Yeah, there's a, um, a particular player who came to us, this was years ago, and um, he was very socially isolated and hadn't developed some um, just being present with other people. And so one of the ways that he presented himself is he would sit at his chair with his knees in front of his face and he would whisper. He oh, talk, really? He wouldn't talk very loud. And so he was, it was interfering with his ability to make friends and I talked to his parent and they were saying, maybe you could do something with this. What was interesting is this player had also, when we let them choose their character, chose a dwarf barbarian. Mm-hmm. So there's already some of that projective, like, okay, this this is a person who wants to play they with... They want to reach out. ...being loud, boisterous, and whatever. And I had made this background of this character as sort of a stoic dwarf who had failed in defending his king uh, and, and was ex- exiled from his community. Right. So I, I made the character as, like, kind of stoic. And he played the dwarf as, like, bumbling and loud <laughs> and would do it all in description. So he wasn't, like... Playing his character, he was saying like, "Yeah." So there's a, a lot of interesting things you can do with how much the player is internalizing their character. But in this case, this player was like, uh, "My character is going to grab the bread as the as the you know uh, person who's walking by." Because I had them, um, I, I forgot this part of the story. I, I had them. Uh, so the, the thing that I set up in the game was that I had that their characters all had to um, infiltrate a fancy dinner party. <laughs> And so um, they did so by pretending to be royalty from a neighboring made-up town. And so they would they came in, they got fancy clothes at the shop, and of course I was playing the you know the shopkeep who sold them all the clothes and yeah. described it all. And the, then, theater nerd. I, theater I, I, nerd. And I make I do I do it all. <laughs> I made makeup on it stuff. It was great. Um, and uh, so they went into the to the dinner party and I had them sit at the table. Like their characters are sitting at the table, so now I'm, oh, there you go. I'm choosing. You map it exactly. Yeah. So I'm saying like, how is your character who's pretending to be a king? So what? How do, How would a king sit at the table? Ooh, so ooh, your ooh. character is pretending to be a king. Your character might not necessarily know how a king would sit because he's a dwarf barbarian. But so I had him sort of sit at the table, <laughs> and then I'm playing all of the NPCs who think he is a king, who think he's king, even though he's pretending to be a king. Yeah. Um, and who think he's doing the right thing. So I described that everyone's like looking at you so excited, um, and they see that your fists are on the table, so they put their fists on the table. <laughs> and then this uh, player was getting really excited about it, and I had him as his character at the dinner party, like reaching over and grabbing loaves of bread from the waiters that are walking by, and I was like, how is your character eat like this like little squid ink gnocchi thing <laughs> on the table and he was like well I pick up the plate and I and I just slurp all the food and it's going down my face and I had like everybody else at the table is picking up the food and slurping down so the whole there's food everywhere oh, man. and this that is sick yeah this uh, this player had an opportunity to, to think about how his 
body language impacts the, the world around but how him. How is his body at all? Yeah. Right. Yeah, for him to be in his body, that's a, a big part of the drama therapy that I sort of bring to the table in, in our dynamic duo. Right. And a lot of that's the embodiment work. So um, I want the players to think about how their character sits and how their character interacts with the world. Well, it's, it's a way to have ownership over it, mm-hmm. right? Of your own body. Yeah, and I can, describe, I can describe things when a lot of things like subtext isn't picked up on. Yes. Right? I can say, like, he's, he's raising his eyebrows in a way that makes you think he's suspicious. Ooh. That's and hot. so I'm modeling, and then they can say, oh, this is what a suspicious look might be. Or like, he raises his eyebrows like he's really excited and impressed. <laughs> hot. Nods his head just ever so slightly. <laughs> that is very, I suspect that is very helpful. Honestly. Hey, so some people have real problems that they need help with. Uh, uh, Cobra94 wants to know how we can use gaming to bond with stepkids. Oh. So dish up these answers. Oh, yeah. Help us. Um, I'm, well, let's let's assume that that um, Cobra that you've got time that you're spending with with stepkids and that you're you're playing. They the could game. be very young snakes, just hatched. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, if you're if you're playing the game, uh, most of this is is play. Most of it's about this idea that you're you're coming in and you're creating a, a play space where there's there's trust and safety involved in that. And so if you're coming in and you're making it a, a place where they can. Um, Sometimes be rowdy or be um, uh, go against the the grain or the rules of the game, but you make it clear that that the risks that they take are risks that that are about the in-game stuff. That there's no danger to them coming to the table and being a part of it. Yeah. Um, and you can still set down boundaries. You can still say like, oh, nope, you failed that role, or you succeeded that role, or or you turns out you you don't have a um, computer in your bag. Of your adventure, um, even though you want that to be the case, you right. can still set those boundaries, but then make this a fun, playful space for them to be part of. So, really, uh, honestly, the the biggest thing that I would say is use it as an opportunity to be playful with them. Um, as adults and kids, there's very little of that exchange oh, to overlap and forth. Yeah, right? and this is a place where you can you can be the the dungeon master or the game master, and you can say, "What we're going to do is we're going to play." Um, and it's a space where both you as the adult can be like, this is the logical parts of this, here's the rules of the game, and the kids can come in and tell stories, and you can be there with them. Well, listen, and that's, that's true even for, even for grown-ups, mm-hmm. honestly. Like, even if you have a group that's all grown-ups, like the C-team, like, you know, we'll often, there'll often be questions about, you know, can I do this or can I do this? It's like, I have to remind them that we're playing Dungeons & Dragons once or twice an episode mm-hmm. <laughs> that this is a place where we get to mess around like that, and it's legit. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever had any pushback? And I, I believe that that might happen from time to time. Are, are there? Do you ever encounter people who think that these tools are not um, are not sophisticated or precise enough for what you're trying to do with them? Can, what are, can I say one more thing to Cobra? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I just want to highlight. I think Adam said the word play very specifically, but I think that's the most important takeaway for what you should do with your kids: is play with them, don't game with them. Mm. There's oftentimes like we have the need to sit down and do something, so we have this sort of mediated activity, mm. and then we sit down and we do this thing, but sometimes that thing is not fun, and you're just kind of doing this thing, <laughs> and you're wanting it to be over, but but like uh, we're supposed to be doing this as a family. This is the oh, thing we're yeah, doing. Yeah, this is, sit down, Don't play up, just come back here. <laughs> no, no, this is that quality time. Great, yeah. right? quality time, capital Q. Right. Um, and that's the like the thing that I would say is that the game you're playing is if you're not playing it, if you're wanting it to be over, change games. That's like the most important thing that I would say is is that um, games are not the answer. It's the play that's the answer. It's it's bringing that that space together where you can be yourself and you can be silly, perhaps. You can you you know you're playing if you uh, aren't don't really care that much about the game. <laughs> you negotiate a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so to answer the pushback question. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we've had pushback on on uh, certainly the side of like parents or adults who there's there's still a, a fair amount of like um, devil worship. Oh ideas yeah, dude, this, this, this is what I was thinking, right? Because right. that was true. That was certainly true when I was a kid. But right. is there still somebody who thinks that? We, oh yeah. We, we don't get that much like. <laughs> pushback because those people just don't click on our links and yeah. don't send us emails. So we don't actually see a lot of that. The only time that we've seen it was actually at a convention where we had a table. It was a homeschool convention. Um, and we had a table, and there was one single person whose uh, daughter was who had, like hung out with us because they were you know, wandering around the con yeah, yeah. and was like, you guys have a bunch of dice and we're going to tell stories together. And so her, her uh, oh, this w- woman's daughter wanted to join our groups. And this one woman said, no, she knew somebody in the 80s who had been like pulled into Satanism. Oh yeah, that was the classic. And, yeah. and my favorite thing she said was, I don't know you from Adam. 
Both of us were wearing name tags that said Adam on them. Really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are Adam. Yeah. Yep. So you, maybe you do know us. You, you might know us better than yeah. you think. That's really the only the only thing we we have had lots of people. Um, in the anon- anonymity of the internet, say things like, get your therapy out of my game. Um, we don't want you, that, that stuff in oh. my sacred Dungeons & Dragons space. Yeah, there we go. Which is an interesting level of pushback from like geek community, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, where it's, an in- where it's an internal policing. Right. Right. Yeah. And I don't want to make my therapy into your game. You know, that's not... You, I, I want you to come to us if you want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not trying to go yeah. change how it, you play. It these sounds games. like they right. might actually need a little bit. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, let me hit you up with one more. Sure. Um, we love questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, gaming communities can be associated with toxic behavior. You were talking about LOL and stuff like mm-hmm. that before. Um, what are some of the causes of this, and what do you think communities can do to improve? Like, as yeah. as people who are engaged with therapy, I mean, a lot of it is face to face. Do you have any? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, there's um, definitely. I mean, a huge amount of toxic community around competitive games. Um, oh, I see. And there's there's no there's no lie to the link um, of those two things. If you have an entirely cooperative game, um, it's it's much harder to be generally toxic in a in a game like that. Um, but in competitive games, especially high competition games, um, first person shooters or MOBA games, that's that's going to come up as as a natural consequence of of both anonymity and com- a competitive nature. Um, honestly. This is maybe a super super big question, yeah, um, and something that like we can bring you back. Giant <laughs> giant companies have been have been trying to problem solve for for years and years now. Um, what I will say is either it's an increase in competitive gaming or an increase in the need for control and anonymity that has brought about a much greater in, influx of that level of. Um, uh, toxicity in a lot of competitive games, and I don't actually have a direct answer to that to that kind of thing within, especially within the video game atmosphere. Yeah, and it doesn't come up as much in tabletop games. Well, it yeah. certainly does. Well, but. I was going to say it, it does happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen it. Like, there's sometimes that person doesn't get to play anymore. Right. <laughs> but that's the solution. It's like the kick ban that happens at a real table sticks. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh yeah. You don't get to make a new account. No. Right. <laughs> they can't just pay 10 more dollars and come back in. I know who it is. You um, know. I will say um, at the table one of the great tools that we love to use is if somebody's being kind of toxic or if they're if they are um, uh, kind of turning around they're kind of backstabbing the group a little bit, um, we like to put it on the character rather than to put it on the player. I think that's clever. Um, so so when somebody goes like um, no, I I steal his gold and stab him in the back. And then I, I might be like, "Oh wow, your your character is is super super aggressive and doesn't trust the other players, the, the other characters in the in his party." Um, yeah, and give them a chance. But what a to weird sort of line to watch, on. right? Because mm-hmm. before it's about trying to make sure they're embodied and make sure they're in there. Mm-hmm. But with these negative aspects, you're saying, "Hey, this happened as a result of this character." Mm-hmm. So for the negative aspects, you try to make some distance. Yeah, that's like a, a, a key, like linchpin to the kind of work we do. Is is when a player is needing to experience the success, we we can as the game masters. If if for example, um, there's a player who's trying to like um, build, work on like self advocacy, right? And their character, they will say, "Oh, my character is going to like tell the the uh, tell the army to rally." And I can sort of like scaffold that. Like, what do you say? How do yeah. you do that? And then eventually, I will say, the the these this, these soldiers look at you and they see in your eyes such confidence and such boldness that they will follow you <laughs> to the gates of hell. <laughs> and um, then that that person can take on sort of the strength of their character. But there's lots of other times where, um, you know, we said earlier, players make characters for a reason. Um, they're choosing to play with a lot of their often maladaptive behaviors. So there's a lot of like extreme uh, independence that looks like backstabbing <laughs> or um, fixation on collecting gold and things like that. <laughs> Dragon sickness. Sure. So we can we can totally um, in those cases put it on the character. Or if if um, a character like messes up, right? If the, a, a low roll, whoa, your character is pretty frustrated about that that role right now. Um, I had, just the other day, I had uh, infighting between my players because they needed to pay somebody 200 gold Mm -hmm. to teleport them or something like that. And one player had all the gold and the other had no gold. So they were trying to convince him to be the one to donate all the gold for this experience. And he did not want to give up his gold. He was like, we're going to barter, we're going to find some gold before I give up any of my gold. And I was like, oh, this character is a dwarf and you know, not to be stereotypical, but this dwarf is like, you know, hold, is, he's got his... He's hoarding a little. He's hoarding a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah. And I did that. And, and then the, the strategy that I did for the other players was like, treat him like an NPC. 
Because when I'm the NPC, you do more than just threaten and yell at me. When I'm the NPC, you like go through your strategies. So now we're going to try that here at the table, where you're going to treat that player like an NPC, and you're going to use all your skills. And yeah. I would say, what? It, so I can like maestro this a little bit and say, yeah, yeah. what is the thing that would convince your character to give up that gold? And then he'll be like, well, I guess it would be this. Right. And then I'll say, okay, try that. Try <laughs> explaining it that way. Cool. You got the gold. Perfect. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. That's the that's the killer combo. I can hear the sound effect. Uh, Adams, both Johns and Davis. Uh, of Game you of got Dome. it right. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> motherfucker, I'm motherfucker, I'm <laughs> Listen up, kid. So uh, thanks so much for rolling through. But I suspect that we could talk fruitfully um, for another hour at least. Um, we should have you back on as you, as you guys are progressing further uh, into your new venture, um, especially once you have some. Uh, adventures and stuff like that available. It'd be really neat to sort of get those out to people so they can see what what it looks like the handmade adventure with the therapeutic payload would be, uh, just on on sheet, right? Yeah, absolutely. We would cool, love cool. to do that. Well, hey, uh, thanks so much, uh, Shadow Council. We will be back with Table Talk momentarily. Can we plug real quick? Before yes. Oh yeah. Um, Fire away. We have a, a crowdfunder campaign <gasps> that I would be remiss if I did not mention. Oh no, no, you have every yeah. opportunity. Um, it's uh, this is Dungeons and Dragons. Game to Grow dot org slash support. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to thank you for being part of our video. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. I, I have <laughs> absolutely no problem. I, I really support the work you guys are doing, uh, and I can't wait to talk to you again. Ben? Awesome. awesome. Hello. Huh. I'm Jennifer K. Harkins, and this is everybody who's here far. Oh my god. Hey, that's Kathra Straub, Smokerl Walnut, D. Real. What up? Um, Hey, so for some reason, and I don't know, I don't have 100% knowledge of why, but... Chocolate? Not, no, chocolate's gross. Um, Whoa, table but, talk. Uh, stop table talk. talk. <laughs> yeah, what? It has to be like... Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so uh, it seems like there's a lot of people watching. I have a theory about why, but the main thing is that this is Acquisitions Incorporated, the C team. We're missing our precious Rosie, which is a bummer. But we've been at this since right after PAX East in April. Mm-hmm. Um, thirty-one. This weeks. is our thirty-one. This is our thirty-one episode. Wow! Uh, you can get it on podcast. You can get it on to YouTube's. Um, it's of course it's on our Twitch channel as well. Uh, we've been doing this show with Hyper RPG. We've been having a super good time doing it. Occasionally we give stuff away. Elissa, I want to simulate a bwam bwam bwam. Bwam 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 bwam. Big roll, twenty. Amazing. I am going to give away. I was gonna actually (laughs) just start rolling until we hit one. I'm going to give away one of these cool uh, hex chests from the Elderwood Academy. I got 19. What's that get? That I super like. Check this. Uh, Oh hey, so we need to do all of our stuff. Yeah. All of our classic traditions. One of our traditions, of course, is to choose an MVP. The shovel. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we, we can choose an MVP. So we do this ritual to honor an inanimate object uh, each each week. What is it? No, it's good. I wanted to give it to the seed pod, but the shovel's so much funnier, and I'm <laughs> yeah. mad that that is the, MP, the MVP. Oh yeah, the Nim is your seed pod. No love. Nope. You know what? You need a shovel to. to you need a shovel. Seed. Yeah, so. exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. What's the sound of one shovel digging? You know, it just sounds like a yeah. But we know what it is. Yeah, like there is a sound there. It's like actually that's the, a, like the atom of the that sound. <laughs> yeah, that is what that is. It's an identity. <laughs> that metaphor is no bueno. No, no. does do you bueno. do you have any questions or concerns? Uh, like no, I'm good. Change. I think we're good. I think we can just end it here. It's great. Huh? No, just wrap it up. This is a strong ending. This is a good app. This is a good app. There's a there's a mystique. No, you know, gotta leave them one more, you know? <laughs> They're gonna want a lot more, like the end. Yeah, like any content. <laughs> no one's concerned about the people turned to stone oh, no. inside a crypt. I yeah. think that's awesome. Yeah. I thought you were gonna say, I think that's good, and we will I'm survive. I'm so glad they're, they didn't. No, like the idea of, um, I think I mentioned this to you once a long time ago, but it was um, Neverwinter. The um, was it yeah, Neverwinter Nights? Yeah, yeah, back in the day. Yeah, but there was the a Bioware one. Yeah, yeah, but there's a quest in there where uh, this town, like you, you arrive at the town and everybody's just frozen, and it's because mm. two gods c- were uh, deciding the fate of the town and they couldn't decide, so they just froze it, it until they could find an adjudicator. That's pretty cool. There were so many yeah. great. There were so many great adventures 
in that like oh, and they, they were cut above. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't like a computer, it wasn't like a CRPG type quest. They had a lot of stuff that felt like D and D to me. Well, yeah. that's what made me love Druids was their was their um, shapeshifting. Oh, their stuff. take. Oh yeah, at the click of a button. At the click of a button, and also the the plague stuff they did in their uh, what was it under was it Underdark? I forget what it was. It was the, one of the expansions, yeah. but it was yeah. like basically a a plague. Yeah, it was very good. No, but that reminded me, like I bet you could, I bet we'd get those guys out of there. Oh I yeah. Wonder. No, you're yeah. You're this team. I wonder. This yeah. premium team, and I don't just mean haul the statues back. No as trophies. I mean to free them. Oh man, yeah. and then we can deposit them. No, one of the coolest things they did. I'm trying to remember. It was the, um, <laughs> it was the Undrentide expansion. Do you ever play that one? Yeah. Which one was Undrentide? Fucking gross. It was so sick. It, it had it had to do with that that there was that Medusa. Oh, I didn't play that. Oh my gosh, it's one of the best. Basically, the second act ends with the entire party being turned to stone. Wiggity what? And then the third act begins with you as statues in her private collection. Yeah. And then one of her servants comes and frees you all. It, I mean, I was just like, what are you even talking about? That's what I mean. Like, that's not Sierra. That's not, I'm not getting like five. Were you about to throw shade at Sierra? Well, no. I, no, I'm not going to say like, I'm not going to get like five alligator dicks or whatever. You know oh. what I mean? Like, I, I'm going <laughs> to, shit's going to be real for a second here. Like that feels like some real stuff. I thought you were about to say this isn't like a Sierra adventure. I don't know why I thought I heard Ooh. that word, and I was like, "No, keep my son's name out of your mouth." No, 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 no. Because the Sierra, the Sierra games that combined RPG style combat and adventuring, those were fucking sick. Yes, yeah. they're amazing, and I hope that they all come to iOS and Android. <laughs> they deserve it. Oh man, it's great stories. No, we deserve it. We deserve Give it, it back to us. Um, <laughs> but no, no, it's crazy to think. Obviously, episode 31, truncated, but it's crazy to think that it was good stuff, though. that we came mm. all the way back around to the Wandering Crypt, mm. which, you know, sort of got, it sort of popped out there. Uh, it was like the seventh episode, maybe. Like it was just sort of suggested, and then there was a lot of chasing around, mm-hmm. and then other adventures, and then somehow the C team became a romance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's there's romance, and then it became I don't know, yeah. like all the all the family stuff. Yeah, I thought that it was gonna. I thought I really thought that this campaign, the campaign is about the Wandering Crypt, right? Sure. But in practice, it's not. In practice, it's about family. The crypt, okay. the crypt is a metaphor. Oh. It's a metaphor yeah, 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 for family. Yeah, the crypt is inside us all along. Uh, um, I actually would like to say that that is why uh, my character name is what it is because I thought I was playing in a campaign where it was okay to have a name like Jim Dark Magic and it, nope, it's very serious well, no. and cool. Very about Donner Blitzen. Yeah, yeah, yeah Donner Blitzen. Hey, no, it has to do with. I where, love mine. I'll it, own that. It forever. has to do with where you put the emphasis. <laughs> yeah, like the, the Donner Blitzen yeah. Yeah. actually sounds kind of cool. It's, yeah, oh, yeah, it's true. And my name right? is great. I like my own name, so yeah, I can't. Why would I? <laughs> Shit oh, on that. I love myself. So my character's me. Good. So <laughs> it's a great character. Thirty-one weeks. This show's like twelve in dog years. Yeah. Yeah. But it came back around. It's interesting to me um, that, uh, like I said, I, I really thought the whole thing would just be about that, but that's not how it worked at all. It ended up getting a lot. It ended up getting a lot better because I had to incorporate other people in it. Um, uh, what is the plan for C Team next week? Uh, the plan is that. Uh, it will be impossible to do because I will be in Australia. Same. Uh, F o'clock. Same. Wait. And and Amy too. So in spirit. No. no? no. Australia. You consider have to it. go now. Yeah, you should consider it. It's fun. Get there. Yeah. Nope. Send me all that money right now. Um, no. We would do. We would do the C team there. Yeah. Well, you're not going. So. Oh, yeah. And also, Kate's not going. What? Um, well, here's the thing. We, we don't need Kate. Though. Actually, don't <laughs> need the three of you. Alyssa, Kate, and I will. <laughs> but consider it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, do you know? Is this your walnut dongrass hairstyle in yes. preparation for, for uh, Pax Unplugged? Yeah. Live game. Wow. Yes. With a little bit of that cosplay. I'm trying to channel her power, and also I want to cosplay her. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yes. It's both things. Um, and and she's making foremother too, right? Um, she's not making foremother. Sam made oh, foremother, right. and he finished it, and it is on its way to me. And I will not be able to. I wouldn't be able to do a show next week anyway because I will be hysterically celebrating. Oh, we're gonna put Kathy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll be celebrating. Um, but so yeah, next week he can't do it. But the week after, 
Back on yeah. our grind, November 2nd, uh, November 9th, and then of course the week after that is the PAX Unplugged mm-hmm. uh, game that we're going to be doing live. So that's our Christmas special, but don't forget, uh, 2 p.m. to 3.30 uh, p.m. Uh, Pacific Time, mm-hmm. Cali, right? Pacifico. Yeah. Uh, Twitch.tv forward slash Twitch Presents or, or uh, on our channel forward slash Penny Arcade, um, you'll be able to grab our Halloween amuse-bouche mm. uh, set in the Doomgate Inn. If you don't know what that is, uh, get good. Check out the archive. Uh, feast on it. Get what you need. Um, Junebugs wants to know mm-hmm. if this is every it. Thursday. Yeah, it's the shovel. Yeah. So sick. Yeah, yeah. Junebug wants to know if this is every Thursday. And mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. Generally speaking, it is. And it's I mean, we've only missed it twice. Yeah. And that was because we were at PAX shows. Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing that a lot of the people here are at is one of the PAX conventions doing this, that, and the other. Um, so if you're, if you're just getting into it, Junebugs, fear not. Go back, hit the archive. That'll make this one make a lot more sense. And then um, come back to us for the second and the ninth as well. Watch Z's animations. Oh, yeah. yes. Oh, and a catch-up episode on the Penny Arcade YouTube. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we have an episode that'll get you caught up to the first through the fourth episodes about. Yeah. And so we're doing, a, we're doing another catch-up episode that's in process right now just to help you save some time uh, catching back up. Uh, Archibald Zanzibar uh, says, Where, when can we see the TwitchCon C-Team show? 2 p.m. to 3.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Uh, their channel or ours, Delish. Oh! Perfect. Screen cap it. Freeze. Oh. Yep. And freeze. Oh. Check it out. Oh! Now, uh, <laughs> Lucilich uh, wants to know what is a Malith and a Maliki? So, um... Oh. Here, so I was going to say we have a resident expert. <laughs> uh, so... Who would be um, more than happy to explain to you. Real quick, this is the TLDR version. Um, Walnut belongs to a grove called the Enclave Panax Anima. Um, and they traditionally had two goddesses. Um, one was Maliki and one was Malith. At one point, Malith was seen to be a betrayer and they primarily focused on... She stopped Maliki. answering prayer. She stopped answering prayer and they took that as a not good thing. Um... So then when we were in the crypt, the representation was a um, the horn. That's like the traditional D&D Maliki. So that's like that, exactly. that so, real flavor. So Maliki is a classic Forgotten Realms goddess um, doing the nature elf type stuff. The hunt. Exactly. Um, uh, Malith is something from the C-Team campaign. Basically it's a reinterpretation of that, uh, of that relationship. Mm. Um, uh, DK Drew, indeed, indeed, yeah, yeah. In our in our in our setting, their union basically founded the world. Um, DK Drew, uh, imagine if you will a dark C team. Hmm. Uh, what would your dark counterparts be? Ooh, this is a good question. Same or different classes? So if we had to do like Acquisitions Incorporated Knights. Oh, hmm. would it be like Bizarro versions of ourselves? Yeah, like basically. The yeah, like, is it like your flip? Druid? Yeah. Yeah, would, Not a dude anymore, like, I bet. Yeah, yeah we're all like, I would just do a different patron, I guess. Probably be a warlock again, but like the devil one. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a, it's the fiend. Because I mean, I, I, hmm. the a, devil. There's a reason why I did not pick that one. Well, yeah. well, no, for me, I think of I think of Cthulhu as fairly dark. Yeah. Uh, I think if Walnut is a pretty dark character, also. That's why I'm saying that we mm-hmm. would have to play like oh, like a like yeah, Walnut is a bard. Yeah, which is like super universe. outgoing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Hey, now, Alyssa, do we have a winner for this treasure? Soon. Uh oh. Here, you Uh-oh. find out. What's yours? Um, you gonna go some? Yeah. What's like yours? Like a sniveling yeah. little scammer guy. Like a little like, tiny, little weak, scammy little boy. guy. Yeah. Sort of a, a, like a rat person. Like a little, yeah. <laughs> like a little, like a. Like a slimy carnival barker kind of, yeah, like a yeah. carny, a carny, a little sniveling carny scammy guy right. who jumps in front of carts and then sues them. Actually, <laughs> what, what, what did you say? Spiral Prime. Spiral Prime. Great. Spiral. Bwam 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 bwam. From the first uh, line. Shadow Council, Mayor Labors, please you. Should I forge Kate's? No, we <laughs> yeah. have to get her to the we'll, go, we'll see her Saturday. Yes, just we, fine. Yes, we will bring this with us, won't we, Alyssa? 
down to TwitchCon, and we'll make sure that Kate signs it as well. I'll, I'll even leave so a space for her. If you oh. go to uh, reddit.com slash r slash the C team, there is a TwitchCon meetup thread Ooh. that people are posting in. Oh, that um, could be a treat. Yeah, so I know there are some people that are, are going to meet up, um, and that is a place where people are figuring it out. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, that's a, so Faulty, uh, is the C team doing any meetups or signings for TwitchCon? Yes. Uh, hit up the... Uh, the Reddit. There's no right. official meet time. That's just for like fans. I don't know if we can fit anything into our schedule, but I know that we're gonna maybe we'll try. Who knows? Yeah, it's very tight. Jackbox. Jackbox. That's right. We'll be at the Jackbox panel. Exactly. We're gonna, we're gonna get C team. Five PM. Rocket, Five Jackbox. PM will be will be at their stage at their booth. Five PM. Hey, uh, Baron Foro. Will the TwitchCon and or PAX live shows be taped and shown? Absolutely. 100%. Before a live studio audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, so obviously. Better applaud. Yeah. Twitch, Hard. Uh, it'll, it'll be there live on our Twitch, it'll be auto-hosted, it'll be on the PAX channels itself, and then the VOD is up almost immediately uh, after. So it's it's pretty easy to keep up with the, the C-Team stuff if you want. And then, to make matters even more delectable, uh, our producer, Josh, tends to grab the audio as well and make it available as a podcast. I know. Delightful. The show that keeps on giving. Nope, he grabs it. We want to try to make it as easy as possible. Are there any more cues in the queue? Stick some cues in the the (gasps) Let's talk about the anime we're watching. Uh, Uh, Inuyasha. I finished Kokoro's Basketball. um, I'm watching... um, All of Mob 100 I just finished. Little Witch Academia, the series. Thank you, Netflix. If you're watching, I love. Oh, well, are you new to it? Um, no, I'd watched the the movies, and I was saving the series for like a dark and stormy day, and it was like, oh my but gosh, you. this last week has been grotesque. Just been thinking about a lot of anime as a as, as a, a subject, as a concept. like scholarly. Dragon Ball Super, really high level. Goofy. <laughs> yeah. I like it. It's a guilty pleasure. I've been watching a couple. What's the one by the Vampire Weekend guy? Right. Who? You mean, are you talking about your your boy, Neo Yokio? Yeah. Jaden Smith? I like that a lot. It's awful. We'll talk about it after this. <laughs> it is great. Here, no, hold on. In a so, bad way. The Scotty Mo wants to know how you spell the EPA's full name. We discussed it in the chat today, can't decide. And part of the reason you can't decide is because Amy keeps changing it. No, that's not true. That's you just keep messing you. it up on Ack Inc. You said PAX. Yeah. You just want to call it PAX because you have a show called PAX. No, it's, it's always been Panax, and I have the original text receipts from my other DM to prove it. Well, no, I, I know that. I know that. And I was calling it Panax Anima, but then you said it was PAX Anima. When? And it was always that way. That's what you said. No, I said the Take other way around. Take a vote, Dinar. Who's right? Amy, you're tearing this uh, family apart. Uh, Amy's right. Amy's right. <gasps> dun, 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 dun. Panax. P-A-N-A-X space and then, A-N-I-M-A. Yeah, P-A-N-A-X A-N-I-M-E. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Hey, listen. Shadow Council. This shit is bananas. Thanks so much. Uh, for spending your Thursday evening with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, hey, don't forget, going to be rocking it 2 to 3.30 p.m. Pacific time at the Twitch. Uh, next week, uh, no regular C-Team game, but then right after we get right back into it, uh, final arc called Drawn Incorporated. Going to be pretty exciting Ooh. stuff. Um, I, I super can't wait. I've been, this is basically like my... It's like my all my character self-insert fantasies, like from a decade of playing Omen Drawn. Uh, super excited to wrap this first part of the story up. Super excited to start the second season. Um, anyway, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming by. We'll see you next time.